Have you ever wondered why noticing goodness makes the world a better place for someone else? We've been curious, and we wondered what would happen if we asked people to share their stories. So, welcome to the Noticing With Podcast. We're so glad you're here. On this episode of Noticing With, I get to talk with Ronnie Dumit. Ronnie is a husband, a father, and a Lee Summit police officer, as well as the president and founder of Answering the Call, and my friend. I first came to know Ronnie about a year and a half ago through our service with Lee Summit Cares. I remember meeting him and just wanting to know more about the work he was doing in our community. One of my favorite things about Ronnie is how he pays attention to and notices people. Ronnie is a great storyteller, and as he shares stories about the goodness that he sees in people, it is impossible not to see their humanity in a very real way. Ronnie has dedicated his life to family and to service, which has led him to founding and leading his nonprofit, Answering the Call. It's always inspiring to me when people come together to be the good, especially in the most difficult of times. Answering the Call does just that, and it was great to learn more about how they are doing that. So without further ado, let's do some noticing with Ronnie Dumit. Hello, Ronnie. Hello, Amy. How are you doing today? I'm great. Good, good. Well, I'm so excited to get to just um, record conversation with you and um, get to share a little bit about what you're doing in the community and just your perspective on things. So I want to do a little bit of introducing you and telling everybody what I think, and then I'll give you a chance to fill in the blanks. Okay, cool. So um, we met at Lee Summit Cares. Character Council, probably a year and a half ago-ish, and And, um, I just remember you were talking about, um, it was maybe, and maybe two, one of the things I remember is around the holidays, so I don't even know, maybe, um, I remember you, everything you were talking about, I was like, I didn't know you did that, and so it was like, um, and all kinds of stuff, where you as a police officer, going out into the community and actually making relationships with people. Yeah. And just connecting Businesses people. And, and I was like, tell me more. And it just felt like you had more and more and more and more you could tell me. And right. so um, I remember I was trying, and this whole time I've been looking for ways we could plug in and help support that. Our Some of our youth advisory members made notice notes that you could take with you when you deliver Meals on Wheels. Yeah. Um, and I was just I was just thinking, how do I connect with you and the things that you're doing? And sure. how does everybody else know all the things you're doing? So that's what's led us to getting to have this conversation today. Yeah. (laughs) So I know you're a police officer for the Lee Summit Police Department. Yes, ma'am. And the president and founder of Answering the Call. Yeah. And if I talk to you for very long at all, you talk about your wife and your kids. I know that's the most important thing to you. correct. These are the things I know for sure. Is there other things you want people to know about you before we enter into our questions? And Oh, I mean, I'm I'm a brother. I'm a my son to two amazing parents that you know um, instilled in me at a young age uh, work ethic and kindness and um, I got a brother who's younger than me but I look up to him in many ways and he's just a a great guy that's also a servant of our community he's an officer here now sergeant with the police Police department so um, you know those are just that's my family my family means everything to me and I think that's what's um, been so important to my career is it's a family environment with the Lee Summit Police Department really just our profession in general 
And then, you know, I run my foundation as a family. So once you're in, in my family, you you always will be. So family is just important to me and, and God, obviously, and those values. So cool. Well, I am excited to hear your perspective on these questions. Yeah. And um, then maybe we can learn a little more, too, about the things you're doing. So um, our first question is, what are you thankful for in your life right now? My family. Yeah. That's so, I knew that. I knew you were going to say That's that. That's easy. That's easy. Yeah, my kids, my wife is an, an incredible human who um, I look up to and value her word and our relationship. And she is the best mom on the planet. And we raised two, we are raising two beautiful kids who are just a light in my in my darkness, I guess, if there is any. Um, they bring me happiness and joy and I still, you know, walk in the door. My daughter still runs to me, even though she's seven and jumps on my leg. And gosh, it just, you know, they're they're truly what means most to me. So cool. Yeah. I love that so much. So much to be thankful for there. Um, okay. The next question is, how do you create a positive mindset for yourself? Hmm. Great question. That's a tough one. How do I create a positive mindset? You know, I'm I'm thankful that I wake up every day. Because I know people don't, right? Yeah. In in reality, I'm thankful for um, my kids and my family and having a job to go to. All the things in the world that a lot of people just don't have. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, unfortunately, in 21 years of law enforcement, you see things that people just don't have. They don't, they don't have beds. Kids don't sleep on beds. I'm thankful for my bed. How ridiculous is that? Mm. But truly. Yeah. Um, I'm thankful for a roof over my head because right now, I mean, gosh, the homeless population is ridiculous in this country. So I'm thankful for those things. And that, I think, helps me create a positive mindset um, and just be thankful for what I have. And then try to take what God has given me and redistribute that in in whatever way possible um, into the community. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, gratitude is so huge. Um, and what's interesting is so often people will say, I know it's just a small thing, but, but it's like all those things are adding up and it yeah. does totally change if we're, if we're noticing, if we're looking out for the good and to add them to our list of things we're grateful for versus looking out for those things we sure. are not happy with. It changes everything. So yeah. I don't think it's a simple thing at all. I no. think it's, I think it's pretty cool. Good strategy. Okay, how do you take time to notice the goodness in yourself and others? So I've, uh, the goodness in myself, when I, I'll be honest with you. So my kids are, uh, when I see them do something good or be kind, I mean, my wife and I have raised them to be kind to everyone and um, even in a difficult situation, do the right thing, mm-hmm. um, which is hard for kids with yeah. peer pressure and things. But when you see your children who are, uh, you know, emulate what you have raised them and, and, you know, the path that you walk and then they see these things in, in what their mom and dad do and then they take and they take those hopefully good things and they redistribute them. Man, there's nothing better. And that's where I see the goodness, I guess, in myself is through my children and the kindness that they display to their friends and maybe, maybe not even their friends, maybe just somebody they don't know. Yeah. Um, I think that's important to try to teach children um, and be an example of that yourself. So, yeah, that's I guess that's my answer. That's a that. great answer. Uh, it's it's interesting because, um, I mean, I'm always paying attention 
to the strategies that people use to notice goodness. And let me explain there. What I mean is, um, I think noticing goodness is a sweet idea. It's a good idea. It feels good. But I have paid attention for over a decade at the effect of it, the strategy of it. Um, People call communication skills soft skills, but I think they're vital. Mm. So when I look at noticing, I'm like, yeah, it's a feel good thing and it's, it's great and it's, it's warm and fuzzy, but it's also makes us much more effective humans. Mm-hmm. And of all the times I've asked people, how do you notice goodness in yourself? The majority of those times people will say, I struggle to notice goodness in myself. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I think I, I have a tendency because we live in the Midwest to talk to people who are in the yeah. Midwest and that humility shows up and sure. that's a great thing. Of course. But you put a strategy in place there that I think a lot of people could relate to in looking through the lens of your children right. and and then it's like it's it's a humble way right. really to know that what you do matters because here's what I've learned about noticing the goodness in ourselves it's not a Stuart Smiley Saturday Night Live like positive affirmation right. thing it's a do I know that I matter you know am I humbly grateful for who I am and the gifts I've been given um, do those things matter? Because we'll show up differently if we know they matter. Sure. And when you see that reflected in your kids, it has to fortify for you your you and your wife's commitment to raise them. Absolutely. With those values. I think kindness is contagious. Yeah. And, you know, people can sit there and see somebody that needs help. And you can sit there and think, man, I should really step out and help that person or show display some type of kindness. But do you do it? Because action is tough sometimes, yeah. especially in a crowd of people. I'd, I go back to a school where there's peer pressure and there's a kid that needs maybe yeah. a little kindness. Maybe somebody that's sitting by themselves at the, you know, at the lunch table. Yeah. How hard is it to get up out of your group, yeah. walk down? And you, you read about that and you see kids that do that. And man, it's huge. what a leader that kid's going to be in life. And so, Absolutely. you know, we discuss that we, we, we don't bully, obviously, and we don't like bullies. And um, you, you, our friends do not get bullied. And we don't, and nor does our little sister as yes. a big brother. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, and in both of my children, I like to think that I'm raising leaders and I'm raising kids that will step out of that comfort level and that box. You know, and it's simple. We go through a drive through and you say, thank you. And then I hear my daughter in the back say, thank you, sir. Yes. You know, and I'm like, where did that come from? You're like, but she sees this repetition of just displaying kindness yeah. to people. And this is who we are. This is how we this do this. This is our family. Yes. This is our family. Like it or not. so good. Here it is. So yeah. I think through my kids, man, Love I just that. sit back and if I could just watch them on a daily basis, I know I'm just so, so proud of them. Yeah. It's so cool. Well, so I'm sure there's so many examples and you just kind of gave us uh, your own, but what kindness have you seen lately? Oh, I see kindness daily. I mean, I run a nonprofit, obviously. So every time I get a donation to my nonprofit, that is going to allow me to step in and significantly change a first responder and his or her family's life. Um, that's kindness to me because the dollar, the hard earned dollar, uh, is, is tough to just give away. Right. But that's the kind of kindness that I see. And those are, I mean, a small example, it's $25, $30, but that's someone's hard earned money. So I take those types of small examples and I'm, and, and that's what fuels me. Right? Yeah. And, and I mean, there's obviously greater acts of kindness, but that's what I see daily. Um, and it just, man, it, it's amazing to me that, that people are so kind of, and so giving of themselves, um, and, you know, taking away from their, them, 
their families to, to support and benefit others. Um, I see kindness in the law enforcement profession on a daily basis. Daily basis. Yeah. You don't hear about it. You guys aren't out there taking snapshots of themselves or videos. Um, but it happens every single day. You know, you have the mom at the high V who's being arrested for stealing. Yeah. And you get there and you're, if you are able to step back as a police officer and what are you stealing for? Do you have alcohol? Do you have ribeyes? No, you have milk and you have crackers and you have things that are going to literally feed your children because you just, you've hit rock bottom. If you're able to step out of that environment for a minute and kind of see the big picture, okay, we're going to unarrest you today. And guess what? I'm going to reach into my pocket and I'm going to pull out my own credit card. I'm going to buy you all these things that you need. And I'm going to give you a little chance of glimmer of hope that someone, I, I was supposed to meet you today. I used to tell people that all the time when I was in patrol or in investigations and I was sitting there and I was having a conversation with them. And I said, I was supposed to meet you today. And I don't know why, but maybe we can help you change your life. You've gone down, you're obviously living on a rocky road right now. And you've taken the wrong path. I can help you. You're at the Y. Okay, you're at the Y in the road. Let's go the right way. So I really feel like our men and women in uniform um, do this on a daily basis. I know they do. Um, you just don't hear about it. Yeah, I mean, when you say that, it, it I, I just hadn't thought of it that way. But yeah, they're not going to take a selfie with this person they just helped and put they're it out there. Job. And then I think about, um, and, and I'm not, not to open up Pandora's box in this sweet, positive podcast, but... But the media's influence on kind of painting a picture, picture. um, it it does make sense that um, we are seeing things in the media that paint one picture. Maybe there's something else happening. When when you say kindness, I think, gosh, yeah, I want to see more pictures like that. But how would that work in real life? Like, I don't want officers to feel like they need to get out their cameras and take a selfie with themselves and a person who's in a really hard time. So that story doesn't get told normally and I really appreciate you sharing it here because I think um it's something that could perk a lot of people's interest like huh I just haven't thought of that that way yeah, there's a lot of, of good things happening think of the thousands and that you had 800,000 police officers working probably every day in this country and think of the thousands of interactions that they go on you know our officers and Lee Summit go on 20 uh 15 to 20 calls a day right but think of the thousands of interactions across this country and can guarantee you the majority of them are positive. They may start out not so positive, Mm. but our job is to end that on a positive note and then go to the next one and then go to the next one and then go to the next one. And I don't think people realize that, you know, you see police officers like, Oh, he gave me a ticket, man. That's not why we're here. (laughs) Yeah. That's not why we're here. That's not the reason why we raised our hand and swore no to this community. It's to step into these people's lives when you have the time to do it and make a change. Yeah. You know, that's why these guys and gals go through all this special training and CIT to benefit our mental What's health. What's CIT? Uh, crisis intervention. Okay. Um, and they go through special training 40 plus hours a week of, of sitting down, literally almost like in a college setting and learning about mental health. Yeah. Because when you get that call of someone who's in crisis, now we can go and we can give you assistance. We can give you help. We can give you the resources that are at our disposal. 
you know, I don't know if you know this, but the Leesville Police Department has three co-responders that work in, in our police department, in, in the basement of our police department. They have radios, and they co-respond now from Rediscover with our officers to, to uh, inflict change and resources um, at the residence of someone who's in crisis. They can literally be dispatched to that house. It's wow, incredible. that is incredible. Um, when I was in patrol 16 years ago, it was, you know, a couple days later, a week later. Um, if they weren't, you know, if they weren't a danger to themselves or others at that moment, yeah, they didn't get, you know, the, the, the intervention immediately. Yeah. So we're trying to, we're trying to do that in a different light and we're trying to inflict this, this change, this positive change because, you know, their mental health community needs that. Yeah. So there's things like that. You just don't know the resources and the work yeah. that goes into that. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's interesting, like, for, to think about um, different levels of kindness and different needs of people. And I think um, police officers have such an opportunity to interact with the community in so many different ways. I mean, a, a SRO officer who's directing traffic at uh, a school where traffic flow is not necessarily happening easily <laughs> and stays positive and, and, yeah. and, you know, you're glad to see that person right. and it makes you feel safer and it makes sure. you glad for your kid that your kids are there. And, and I'm thinking of a particular SRO officer who then I've noticed my kids going by and just saying hi to, and then that feels good. So that act of kindness was really just a smile mm-hmm. was just kindness. And then thinking all the way from that to Someone's in crisis, in and crisis. here's this officer who's able to um, see, the, see the humanity. Yeah. I guess is what I what my heart wants to say. Change their tone a little bit. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. this, that's look our men and women that don that uniform and that that ballistic vest and that duty belt every day. They they are um, putting themselves in harm's way. They know that. Yeah. Right? They are running towards what most run away from. So are our firefighters running towards what most call and run yeah. away from. Yeah. To go into that, um, that unknown, that scene that you're being called to, 911 calls are coming in and people are yelling and screaming, we got somebody that, and then to get there and be able to flip that switch from um, protector, putting yourself in harm's way to now, oh I see the need here. It's it's not necessarily the way it came in to our dispatchers. It's let's let's change this a little bit. Let's uh-huh. let's change the, the dynamics of this a little bit. Let me get down on a knee and have a conversation with you. Wow. At your level. Yeah. You see it. I mean, there's photos out there. You can see the officers sitting back up against a wall, um, you know, just talking to someone on a city yeah. street because they recognize that this person this isn't a bad person. Yeah. They just need somebody to come down to the... Now, they, they could definitely rise to that occasion. Sure. Because they're in crisis. Yeah. You can go one way or the other there, right? Yeah. I have a lot of respect. I've been a CIT officer for many years. I was I was asked to do it, I think, in 02 or 03 to, to go to the training. And um, the mental health facility is in Rediscovers incredible here in Lee Summit. But, uh, you know, the CIT program, we were one of the first departments to, to imp- bring that to... The, the law enforcement community, us in Kansas City. It started in Memphis, I believe, police department is where they kind of developed it. Um, 
and now we've had it here for for twenty some odd years. And what an amazing resource! That's it, cool. a huge resource. It's so huge great. Resource, yeah. Well, and, and you know, basic one on one noticing is I see you, I hear you, and you matter to me. Yeah. And that just sounds like what you're doing, what officers are doing all day, every day. All I day, see you, day. I hear yeah. you, you matter. I mean, to you me. know, when your fire department goes on a, a gentleman, and, and this happened in Lee Summit a year or two ago, a gentleman had a heart attack, mown his grass. You know, they get oh. there, they, they revive him, they transport him, and what do they do. They mowed the rest of his grass. Wow. Right? Yeah. To finish the job. It's just, there is this Caring. kindness. Yeah. There's this, um, this service that these men and women have that's just instilled in them. Right? And um, they just, it's, it's service. It's about serving. It's, yes, we can transport you to the hospital, but to have the, the intuition that we got to come back and mow this guy's grass. Yeah. You know, just small little things. It's a great like that. perspective. And the only reason I know that that happened is because a neighbor across the street snapped a photo of these guys in their bunker gear, mowing this, finishing this man's. Lawn. Yeah, because again, those 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 people are not going to grab a selfie of that. No, that's it's I mean, not why I, they do it? That speaks so much to me because noticing um, it is oftentimes done you know, person to person and it's not captured. And I, I've taken way too many uh, marketing classes where people have said like, you need to be able to tell the story of this. And I've said, these stories are personal. Yeah. I'm not going to ask somebody to, to capture, you know, something that for them was just them doing life, them Good serving, job. them living, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I, I, I really, I appreciate you sharing the perspective. Um, so there's, there's so much goodness to notice about what you're talking about and about your foundation answering the call. Mm. Um, I would love to have you share about your mission and just how it's impacted our community. I'd love for people to know more. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I was assigned to investigations division of Lee Summit Police Department in 2015. Um, and a friend and colleague of mine, Josh Ward, who was a detective at the time, um, came deathly ill. We, nobody knew why. He was taken to the hospital by his father. He had been suffering for about three days of a lot of pain and discoloration. And his wife just calls her father-in-law and says, hey, Josh needs to go to the hospital. Take him to the hospital. The hospital recognizes that this is really, really bad. We're not sure what it is, but it's bad. So they rushed him from one hospital to the other. Um, it was almost a God thing because thankfully the surgeon, lead surgeon that was on at um, St. Luke's on the plaza recognized immediately that this was some type of a bacteria that was a flesh eating because he had seen it before and um, rushed him into emergency surgery and this started a four month period of 27 surgeries um, you know opening Josh up multiple times sometimes multiple times a day in the operating room to try to defeat this we were we were planning a funeral um, it was, it was devastating. It was devastating to, to our community. It was devastating to our police family. And then, you know, you got Melissa and the three kids. I was assigned as a liaison, um, from my chief as the department liaison to Melissa and made sure that her and the kids needs were met. And through that, I saw the financial need. I saw a financial strain on the family months down the road. Josh not being able to work, obviously he's in a hospital fighting for his life. He served our community for 10 years. And here we are potentially losing our house and not paying bills and cars in foreclosure. And I said, you know, this is just not the way it should be for the men and women that serve and protect our community mm. um, at no fault of their own, right? We know our job is inherently dangerous. They're, you're going to get shot, you know, potentially, God forbid, but you're going to get run over. You know, these are all things that have happened. You're going to get stabbed. You're, 
you're gonna get in fights. You're gonna uh, you're gonna fall through the the ceiling of a house that's on fire. And it's when those types of acts happen, it's it's severe in nature, and you're gonna be off the job for a very long time, if not for indefinitely. So we we created a foundation called Answering the Call, and we step in and we financially remove that financial strain from the men and women that serve our community, um, and we relieve that financial strain. So first and foremost, they can focus on recovery. Because we all know that um, when you go through um, a devastating diagnosis of cancer or ALS, I mean, the, the first thing on my mind is going to be, how am I going to pay my bills? Because I know I'm not going to be able to work. If I'm shot, if I'm run over, if I'm stabbed, and now I'm fighting for my life, how is my family going to survive without me doing the job? Um, so we step in immediately within 24 to 48 hours of that critical event or that terrible diagnosis and we lift that financial strain with a not one time but a an immediate substantial donation typically it's five thousand dollars and we um we just step in financially and then we become a community resource um so many people in this community and we're so thankful for it that support us and they support our first responders and they want to do that through our foundation so if there's a if there's a, a wheelchair accessible van that is needed for an ALS patient that is now wheelchair bound or a cancer patient that just wants to go, that needs to go to and from the hospital, mm-hmm. um, we, we get people that donate that kind of stuff to us. And it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, we fly them to Mayo Clinic. We pay for the hotel. Um, we, we become that resource for them, that financial resource. So it's not a burden on them so they can really focus, um, focus on their recovery. I walked into the hospital of a young 26-year-old female officer that had just been shot. And I walked into her room, and she's laying there. And I had never met her before, obviously. And I hand her a check. I tell her a little bit about who we are and what we do. And she opens this envelope up, and she her head goes straight back to the pillow. And tears of joy, I assume, were streaming relief. down her face. Relief. Immediate financial relief. Yeah. I said, what, what's going on? She's like literally laying here wondering how she's a single mom of a daughter right she was working overtime to pay bills to make ends meet and she was shot in the process right um the bad guy was uh, thankfully apprehended she turned into a roaring just machine like she needed to do to save her own life was able to apprehend the suspect um and now she's laying in a hospital bed and she's literally laying there wondering how am i going to pay my mortgage how am I going to take care of my daughter? And we hand her this financial relief of $5,000. And man, it was, it was impactful. Yeah. Um, so that's what we do. Okay. We step into their lives at the Ugh. moment they need it. And she was able to focus on now recovery, right? She was able to focus on herself and getting back to her daughter and getting back to a job that she loved um, to pay her bills. And what God, in my opinion, had led her to do. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, one hundred fifteen thousand donated last year. Fifty five thousand donated this year. Almost five hundred thousand donated since we started this in in two thousand and fifteen. Um, there's a need there, a huge need. Unfortunately, yes. I never want my. I never yeah. wanted this foundation to even have to be a thing. Right. But it is, and yeah. thankful to the Kansas City community. Um, um, we are here and we're, we haven't turned a first responder or their family away. And that's been my mission since day one is never to say no Yeah. and always be able to help. And, um, we've been able to do that. It's incredible. I, I think that, you know, like 
you, you're, you're obviously a good noticer. You obviously notice where there's a need, but then to have um, not only taken action yourself, which I want to thank you for, but also to recognize the power of bringing community together and giving people a place to come together with their financial contributions and, and just their support um, is it's huge. So I, I just really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Big deal. That's it a big is, deal. It is. It's a big deal. Uh, family values, again, again from yeah. the moment we started this, are important to me. And being able to maintain the family structure yeah. in a very difficult time is extremely important. Yeah. And being a family serve, first and foremost, just like our military families, they serve when, they're, when their husband or wife is deployed, they're serving right alongside them. Same thing with our first responders. Yeah. You know, our families serve 40 plus hours a week, just like just like they do when they're in uniform because, you know, as of late, it's, it's, it's very dangerous, right? And they just yeah. don't know. And sometimes you get hugged a little tighter when you leave the door um, and your daughter tells you, Daddy, be safe today. You know, yeah. it's impactful. So um, f- maintaining that family structure during a very difficult time, like a diagnosis or like a severe injury, is, inc- is it, it has to happen. So that also... Answering the call allows that, in my opinion, we allow that to, to I think it's a benefit to the family to, to financially sustain them. Yeah. Um, because now you're taking one more thing off their plate, yeah. right? To be a first responder family is stressful. Mm-hmm. And then to get that knock on your door or that phone call at two mm-hmm. in the morning, mm-hmm. can you imagine? I can't. Um, so if we can relieve one thing or a multiple two to things with the yeah. resources that we have at our disposal and then allow that family to stay as a structure to support the, the man or woman who is, who is now struggling to, to survive mm-hmm. and get back to what they love to do. I mean, that's just what it's all about. It's so cool. I, I think, you know, the, the practical um, piece to that, the relief, the financial relief that would be felt, but also just knowing that you're in a community that, appreciates you and wants to support you and and there's people who want who want to be a part of this time you know it's pretty it's pretty huge so how can people get involved if they want to get involved with what you're doing um we'll put your like website in the the podcast notes so if that's good people people go there yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. i I think one of the coolest things that we've been able to do the last couple years is i call it in their own words and those recipients of ours, when they want to, and if, if they want to, um, tell their story. They sit down with um, a gentleman who's very good at putting together videography, and um, they sit down with their spouse if they want to, and they just tell their story. They talk about their incident and or, and or their diagnosis, and then they talk about how answering the call stepped in, and they didn't even know we existed, right? Because they... Our first responders are the, the community helpers, right? Mm-hmm. And I've learned, and I've known this, they don't ask for help when they're in need because it's a tough pill to swallow. I'm the, I'm the guy or gal that they call when the community needs help. Well, now this is turned around and now you need help and you're not reaching out. That's a problem. So I go after them. I find them. I, I find in the best they, kind of way. In the best kind of way. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful that the police departments and the fire departments and their friends and their families and their coworkers reach out to us on their behalf because a lot of times they just don't. Yeah. 
So for the community just to get involved with us, you know, you can go to atc911.org. Um, we have those videos up, um, and I think they're powerful. Yeah. Uh, much more powerful than me standing here telling a group um, about who we are and what we do. I mean, I'll do that all day. But if I can hit play on a video and have Sarah Olson, who's a KCPD officer, who's now battling ALS like a champion, um, or, you know, Tom Wagstaff and his wife, that Tom took a, a bullet to the head on a home invasion out of Independence, and have them sit there in front of you and tell you about their incident and or diagnosis, and then the relief that answering the call was to them at that critical time, I don't think there's anything more powerful. No, and it, and it really would let us get to know more stories of people who we yeah. just want to appreciate and notice. So I love that. That's on your website. We can, we can mm-hmm. see those stories. That's fabulous. Yeah. So good. Yeah. But, you know, just donations. Okay. I mean... I hate to say that. I hate to ask Why? for it, but that's who we are. That's what you we just that's... said. You just said that it's hard for people who serve to ask, but <laughs> here, here, here you are. Here I am. No, but that's that's uh, an opportunity for people to plug in. with It you. is, and it is. Um, it's how a nonprofit survives, and yeah. I think we're a needed nonprofit. I mean, look at our numbers. Look at the look at the amount of donations we've, uh, and that's not a one time donation. We've had families unfortunately struggle for a year, year and a half, and not back on the job, and. I need another donation or uh, a battalion chief from Lawrence calls me on the phone and says, Ronnie, they're still struggling. He's still off. Here's another donation. A year and a half later, he's still struggling. They're, they're mm. struggling financially. Yeah. Well, that's not going to happen on my watch. Mm. Mm. So when I say it's a lifetime, when you're involved in my family and you become involved <laughs> as a recipient of answering the call, we would take care of you for life. Um, and I hate to even say it sometimes even in your death, you know, mm. the Michael Wells that passed away from cancer, I told Michael that we would always take care of Katie and the kids. And we still have. And Michael passed away, and, and I still stay in touch with Katie and the kids. And if they ever need anything, they know to call me. And they still come to the Mavericks game with us every year. And, you know, so we're family. We take care of each other. So, so cool. Yeah. So cool. Well, thank you for sharing yeah. your story. Thanks for doing what you do. And, um, like I said, we'll give people links to click on, um, but I hope people can connect with you and, uh, it's just good to know you're, you're doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, Amy, for doing what you do. I mean that sincerely. You're doing a lot of positive as well. So thank you. What a great collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Ronnie. Noticing With is brought to you by the Notice Network. Our mission is to help people notice the goodness in themselves and others, and we hope you always feel welcome in our space. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Notice Network, and we hope you'll visit us online to check out our blog and online store at thenoticenetwork.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you're looking as forward to the next one as I am. Until then, I hope you feel seen, I hope you feel heard, you know you matter, and that you can share that goodness with the people in your life.